Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Thank you to all who have subscribed to this podcast, shared this podcast, rated and reviewed this podcast. We are so grateful for your support. I do have a question, though. What is your favorite episode to date? Some have shared generally positive feedback, but we're asking you to nail down your favorite episode and share that with us over on the IBC Facebook page. You can find a link directly to that in the show notes. When you share your favorite episode, be sure to include the hashtag IBC podcast. We look forward to hearing your response on that. Now, before we get into today's episode, I need to make you aware of an announcement that is going to come uh, regarding our mini-series we've been doing, Expounding the Text. Now, you are going to have to listen through (laughs) the, the episode and then listen for that announcement at the end of this episode. Today on the podcast, we have an interview with veteran missionary and Indiana Bible College instructor, Reverend William Turner. He and his wife, Elizabeth, served for 36 years as missionaries of the United Pentecostal Church International, first in South Korea and then in Russia and to the 15 nations of the former Soviet Union. They were the UPCI's first fully appointed missionaries to Russia, and in 1993, when the communist rule collapsed in an aborted coup against the current government, they We're living in Moscow. I mean, how cool is that? Reverend Turner served as an area coordinator for those 15 formerly communist nations. He is a graduate of Indiana University and holds a Bachelor of Arts in Government and Journalism. His insight is so cool. And this conversation that we're bringing you today here on the podcast actually began around a Keurig at Indiana Bible College. Reverend Turner walked into the room where coffee was being made and stated, I have tried to explain to my students in class what they are going to need in order to have revival in these times. And what followed was such a wonderful discussion that we invited him to continue that talk here on the podcast for you. Longtime listeners may have already enjoyed his chapel sermons that he's preached, but you will certainly enjoy this interview on the IBC podcast. Reverend William Turner. Brother Turner, Brother William Turner, career missionary. Uh, You were in South Korea and then in Russia. In the former Soviet Union former Soviet Union, and now you're here at Indiana Bible College and pouring your uh, time, energy, and effort into educating the next generation of missionaries. I know uh, with certainty that I don't necessarily have a call to missions, uh, but I appreciate people who do have a call to missions, and I appreciate people who dedicate their life to educating young men, young women, for the call that God has on their life. So you're like doubly special 
uh, in, in my book. And I don't just say that. I mean that wholeheartedly. Um, one of the cool things about being at Indiana Bible College for me has been to have conversations with a generation or two removed from myself. Um, my generation tends to have uh, really grand ideas, and, and sometimes they don't get tempered with experience and wisdom. Uh, and I have both loved and hated that tempering and ex- experience uh, of wisdom in my life. So the other day, you and I were in the uh, workroom at Indiana Bible College, and you made a statement, and I just wanted to sit down and unpack it and see what kind of uh, content we can, we can get out there for people. You said this, these students, referencing the Indiana Bible College students that, who you had just left a classroom with, these students are living in the greatest hour of Christianity but they are going to have to have the goods. And we were talking about, uh, of course, governmental things and societal pressures. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about, about that statement. Well, I, I know that in our own country, here in the United States, we, uh, we're seeing a decline in Christianity. <clears throat> People that profess to be Christian. Sure. <clears throat> Apparently about only 65% of Americans today would call themselves Christian. And a a much smaller percentage of of those actually go to church once a month. So practicing Christian versus professing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's diminishing. And um, some people, maybe that would be cause to despair. Excuse me. But I... uh, I I think that uh, this generation of apostolics has the greatest opportunity to reach their world with, uh, with a Christianity that uh, counts for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because um, otherwise, uh, Christianity has become almost, um, uh, uh, what's the word I want, obsolete or um, irrelevant. That's the mm-hmm. word. Uh, for a lot of people, because uh, they're not interested in uh, uh, liturgy and and uh, uh, formalism and all of those kinds of things, and they're not even necessarily today. This youngest generation doesn't even seem to be interested in in Christianity per se. And I think the reason is they haven't really come face to face. They haven't had an opportunity to meet the real thing. And oh, I'm, I'm talking about the new birth experience, being yeah. born again of the water and the spirit. And, and um, so I think this is a great day and a great time of opportunity. And I'm trying to let uh, our, uh, the students that I talk to know that there are things happening in our world that we use the word unprecedented and sometimes we use that loosely. But I think we really are living in an unprecedented hour of the church worldwide. And my, my biggest example of this is uh, what's happening in China. Mm-hmm. And I had, a, I had a, an opportunity to, to uh, speak with uh, Professor uh, Yang at uh, Purdue University last summer. And he 
is uh, director of the Center for the Study of Religion and Culture in China at Purdue, and probably one of the foremost, uh, uh, most knowledgeable people in, in the United States about what's happening in Christianity in China. And here's the deal. In, when the Chinese communists came to power in 1949, it was said that there were three million Catholics and less than one million Protestants in all of China. And when the, when the communists came to power under Mao Zedong, they made a concerted effort to wipe Christianity out. Mm -hmm. And uh, thousands and thousands of people were, were murdered and others were sent to concentration camps and so forth. Well, uh, what Professor Yang is saying that astounded me after I read an article uh, in which he was quoted in the Wall Street Journal is that today, um, so um, literally in my lifetime, there are now a uh, hundred million Christians in China. Wow. And he acknowledges that probably 25% uh, would not be too far off. 25% of that 100 million have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoken wow. in tongues. Not only that, but of course we, we know that there are many millions of people who have been baptized in Jesus' name mm -hmm. in China. Uh, and we don't have a, a full accurate account of that because uh, there is extreme persecution once again in China. And so house churches have had to uh, uh, not meet, and, and um, it's a very difficult time to be a Christian in China. But at any rate, Professor Yang says Christianity is growing in China by, at a rate of 7 to 10%. He said 10% is not sustainable, but, but 5 to 7% growth is. And wow. so he is saying within 10 years, there will probably be close to 250 million Christians in China. And in the United States, well, where we have a population slightly, a total population slightly mm -hmm. higher that, than that, and 65% of our population do, are only would claim Christianity, and Christianity is declining, that means within a decade, China could be the have the world's greatest Christian population of any country in wow. the world, and and that means America would would have fewer. This uh -huh. is an extraordinary thing. This yeah. is unprecedented. Sure. And here's what I want to say to uh, IBC students: is that um, just one example of the young missionaries that went to China a hundred years ago. Uh, over 100, 120 years ago, almost. Um, so right at 19... Uh, after 1900. Okay. So, the, the, so we have this Holy Ghost explosion mm -hmm. in America, Zusa Street, 1906, and, and, um, and then it, it, it comes to Indianapolis and many other places in, in North America and in other parts of the world. And then in 1913, we have Arroyo Seco, the camp meeting in, in California, just north of Los Angeles, where the Jesus name message is preached for the first time, the mm -hmm. baptism in Jesus' name and the oneness of God. And, uh, and then, uh, then uh, oneness people are, are uh, kicked out of Trinitarian organizations and, and people like Frank Ewart are sending 
this message around the world. He has a magazine that was called Meet and Do Season, and, and it went to places like China. And some of these missionaries um, uh, received this magazine on the, the slow boat to China, maybe mm -hmm. two, two or three months for a boat to get there, but that was the uh, that was the internet of those days. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and here's a here's a young lady, Elizabeth Stiglitz. Now look, she was 20 years old when she went to China as a missionary. Wow. How many? Uh, what percentage of our students at, at in IBC are 20 years old? Quite yeah. a few. Yeah, there's a good majority. And um, uh, she went to China at, at age 20. She uh, she has the Holy Ghost. She she works with brother and sister Ramsey, and they're in the Canton area. In uh, so the um, Arroyo Seco takes place in 1913. 1914, uh, Frank Ewart has is sending this message all over the world. And at Christmas time in 1914, Elizabeth Stiglitz gets meet in due season in a Christmas package, mm -hmm. and it has the message of water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and the oneness of God, which is new to her mm -hmm. and the Ramses. But they start studying the scripture, and they say, hey, we've got to obey this. So Brother Ramsey has the oldest Chinese convert baptize him in Jesus' name, and then he turns around and baptizes wow. his wife and Elizabeth Stiglitz and everybody else in Jesus' name. And then after that, they, they start having intense prayer meetings that go on and on. And then this leads to a four-year revival of church services every day for four years. And they averaged four people a day receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit for four years. Do you have the math on that? I'm, I'm pulling up my phone right now just so we can do the math. So four people per day times 365, 365 days, days uh, times, four. times four is like 5840, 5,840 so people. This is, ex this is an extraordinary yeah, yeah. revival. But then, uh, so she is still there. Elizabeth Stiglitz stays on in China. And she is uh, she is one of our she is one of the first missionaries appointed by the newly established United Pentecostal Church in 1945. Wow. She's already lived through uh, the World War II and the mm -hmm. Jack Japanese occupation of China, mm -hmm. and um, and then after Pearl Harbor in 1941, then she is imprisoned with other missionaries wow. by the Japanese. And then she comes home for a short time, goes back to China as a newly appointed UPC missionary. And uh, then, uh, then the communists come to power in 1949 and, and, <laughs> yeah. and push all of the missionaries out, about maybe 20,000 missionaries of Catholics and, and Protestants and Pentecostals and everybody. They're all forced out of China. Mm -hmm. And then there is a concerted effort to stamp out Christianity. But here's the thing, the power of the word of God, it's already been sown, mm -hmm. even though the, Chi the Chinese try to stamp it out. And then over the years, uh, especially uh, since uh, the 19, about 1980, when China started uh, trying to get more commercial development, 
a little more, more freedom came, and then there was this massive explosion of Christian revival in China. And, uh, and so uh, this is an extraordinary day to be yeah. living for God. Some, no one should ever think that this is not the greatest day of the church. And I think we're, we're moving toward the end of the great harvest season. And these IBC students are moving into that. Yeah. And they should not waste any time in preparing themselves. And my friend, uh, missionary Mark Schutz, just posted something on uh, Facebook. And he, and he said this, discipline is the bridge between goals and results. Yeah. And, and so uh, in my book, um, uh, academic, which sir, which, which one, <laughs> <laughs> not, not the one I wrote, but, but in, in my thoughts, okay. I, I realized that, um, academic, uh, pursuit is a valuable part of mm -hmm. your preparation for service to God and, and real scholarship requires discipline. Mm -hmm. And this is perhaps the toughest thing for a young apostolic to, to understand and get in their own life. Yeah. They've got to have a sense of personal discipline. And if, the, and if they get discipline in their studies here at IBC, they should be applying themselves with everything they've got in them because this discipline spills over into the rest of their spiritual life. And I can yeah. tell you this, we're, if, if um, as we move toward uh, the end time and the coming of the Lord and the end of this great harvest season that we're in, the, the church is, uh, society is going to try to marginalize Christianity more and more. And, we'll, and we're going to have to be able to stand up against a, an onslaught uh, uh, from socially and uh, spiritually that will come against the church. But if you have that foundation, if you have that strong foundation of truth and you have spiritual discipline mm -hmm. and, and, and scholastic discipline can move into spiritual mm -hmm. discipline, yeah. then you'll be prepared for whatever comes your way and, um, uh, and you'll be able to stand. And not only that, but you'll be, uh, I think, our... Our young people that are going into missions today, they will accomplish far more than my generation did wow. simply because God is doing something of a greater and greater magnitude in the world, and he uses his church to do it. And your generation did a ton for, missionary, for missionaries. They, they did all kinds of, of establishment and, and planting and, I mean, just opening countries and you can only open so many countries but then once you've opened the country sounds like what you're suggesting is once the country is opened that the there is the possibility for the next generation to come along and to say okay these countries are opened we're going to have revival like we couldn't have because we were working on opening the countries and now that they're open there's going to be kind of this uh into the country and then out not physically out of the country but an expansion inside of the country. Yeah. One plants, one waters, and God gives yeah. the increase. And uh, so we, we built on decades of missionary work in mm -hmm. terms of the United Pentecostal Church. And I had the privilege to work with Robert Rodenbush in Europe, yeah. Middle East. And uh, so I, I realized that his emphasis on, uh, on a team effort 
uh, much more can be accomplished if you're if you're not working in isolation, but you're working yeah. in a team. You should be learning that at IBC. Yes. And. Uh, um, and and that that becomes a multiplier mm -hmm. in in terms of the harvest, and then also the foundation that we we built upon over these decades. What other missionaries, great missionaries, have done uh, fifty years ago, we're still building on that and and receiving strength, and uh, we we're able to expand on that because we have that foundation. So. It's an extraordinary time <laughs> to get involved in the work of God. It absolutely is. So to go, I want to kind of like circle all the way back around to the quote we started with, but they are going to have to have the goods. Yeah. These students, we've talked about that kind of extraordinary time, uh, the greatest hour of Christianity, but they are going to have to have the goods. You expounded a little bit, with the with the discipline, the spiritual disciplines, the academic disciplines, but the the power encounter, and that's not my phrase. That's uh, Charles Kraft has has kind of labeled that uh, as conversion, as this power encounter of light encountering darkness and darkness being overcome by the light. To say it in John ten or John one kind of way, um, what. Just talk a little bit about that. I know that often we just expound it a little bit because all of our listenership might not be United Pentecostal Church International. So what is it uh, about the power encounter about that? Describe that kind of God moment. And maybe even if you have um, a missionary story about a moment like that in someone else's life that you were able to witness. Well, I, just even in my own life, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal home, but I, 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 I ran from God. I wasn't in church when I was in high school or college. And uh, then after my wife and I married, we, we moved to Arizona. And, and by that time, I realized that all the things I was trying to achieve in the world, uh, there was still this emptiness in me. And so we went to a United Pentecostal Church in Tucson, Arizona. And we had that, that yeah. power, that life-changing encounter with God. And, um, and I realized that everything the Bible uh, claimed to be, it was true. Was it you who said not long ago, I think it was you, at a, at a Wednesday night Calvary service, you said, I didn't need to be baptized in Jesus' name at that moment. I didn't need to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost at that moment. I needed to repent. I needed to repent, yeah. When you said that, I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's where it starts. That yeah, that's exactly. Conversion yeah, and repentance. Is that, that turn away from dark and toward that light. So you saw it work in your own life. It was a tremendous experience, and everyone should have that experience. It's conversion. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and we should never underestimate uh, the power of that. Uh, that's, that is the starting point. The Apostle Paul had to be converted, mm -hmm. and, then he, and then he certainly repented. Yeah. And, uh, and then Ananias went to him and said, it's time for you to uh, I'm gonna come here to lay hands on you so you can receive the Holy Ghost and and uh, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name as we learn uh, yeah. later in the Book of Acts, and so uh, it, it is a life changing experience and you and you need to go from that but but then God if you if you're willing to just give everything to God your 
present mm-hmm. your whole body a living sacrifice, then he will direct your path and uh, he'll open the doors that he wants you to go mm-hmm. in. And so I, I told the Lord, uh, whatever you want, I'm, I want to do it. I'll go anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I'll, he took you up on it. <laughs> I'll pay any price and he took me up on it. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know what? It's God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so it was God working in me. He gave me the desire mm-hmm. to do those things, yeah. and then he fulfilled it. So you saw it in your life how many times, and it might be innumerable, but how many times did you watch? In, okay, so American culture, American Christianity, but it works in South Korea. It work, That's the to me. That's the mind blowing. That is yeah. part of the formula, as it were, because it works in in the former Soviet Union. It works in China. It works cross culturally. It's the power of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I have had the privilege of, of preaching this message in, in several different countries. Once we were at a missionary conference in the Philippines, and and so I was invited to, to preach at a little, uh, it was a, under an open air garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was a garage, but the people met there. And I preached, I, I was no great evangelist, but uh, I just preached a simple gospel message and uh, 12 people received the Holy Ghost just like wow. that, you know. Uh, uh, and it wasn't me; it was it was just the power of the gospel yeah. working in those people. But I, I've seen the people receive the Holy Ghost in Japan, and I've seen people receive the Holy Ghost in in uh, Korea, and uh, and then in various places in the former Soviet Union, in Central Asia, and, and Georgia, and uh, yeah. Russia, and Ukraine, and they all have the same experience. Yeah. The, birth of the water and the spirit. And yeah. they speak in tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah. It's extraordinary to see that happen, especially if you have the opportunity to speak to someone who they don't really know mm-hmm. that much about the gospel. So you have the opportunity to just explain the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that can be made real in their lives. And it works every time. It's so simple. It. Just and mix it, it with faith. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Well, that is so cool. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you, Brother Turner. We are living in one of the greatest hours of Christianity, and I can't wait to see. Uh, you know, the students aren't my generation anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm climbing up there <laughs> in age, uh, but I can't wait to see what this generation, they're, they're so talented, and they have a real desire for God to move. Yeah, I see that in them. Yeah. And I, what I don't want is, I do not want any of them to miss their opportunity that they have yeah. here at IBC because uh, some of some of are already came uh, with, the, with the understanding that they need. Others are getting the understanding mm-hmm. while they're here. Uh, but it would be a terrible uh, shame to waste this opportunity to, to, to grow in understanding doctrinally, but yeah. also to grow spiritually. Yeah. They've, they're going to have to have the goods. Yeah, they'll have to have the goods. And they have the opportunity. It's a, it's one of the neat things about IBC. They have the opportunity to to get the goods. That's why we're we're seeing level. them all over the world now. Yeah. Graduates from yeah. IBC. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time for sharing. I I those facts about China. I just am stunned that in a decade there could be more Christians in China, which was, I mean, I remember hearing in Sunday school 
you know, up through junior high and, and high school, China is persecuted and they, they dislike Christianity as a society and here to think, wow, they could, they could surpass the near the population, the entire population of the United States just in Christians in China. God's doing something cool. He is doing something amazing in our day. Thank you so much, Brother Turner. You are welcome. Here is the announcement that you have been waiting for. Okay, that's a little dramatic. I apologize because, quite frankly, I think that that episode was so good. You spaced on the fact that there was an announcement concerning expounding the text at the end of this episode. But nevertheless, here it is. And now that I've got your attention about it, I want to let you know that uh, Expounding the Text is no longer going to be released on Tuesdays. Frankly, Expounding the Text was a mini-series that we kind of were toying with to try and help fill some of the void of uh, our content because we couldn't release chapel sermons due to an online move. So we toyed with this idea of expounding the text, but we wanted to make sure that it was okay and something that we wanted to roll into a regular series on the podcast. And you have overwhelmingly stated that as a listener, you are enjoying expounding the text. So from here on out, expounding the text is going to be rolled into a Thursday regular release alongside of some interviews and different things like that through the summer. So for those of you who have grown accustomed to your twice weekly dose of Indiana Bible College podcast, we apologize. You will not have that anymore, but expounding the text will be a permanent staple here on the Indiana Bible College podcast. As always, thank you for your support and for sharing this podcast with your circle God's blessings.